0: Ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible. Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so, so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. In today's lesson, we are finishing up 2 Samuel and we're taking a look at a psalm or a song of David in chapter 22 then David's last words to his people, David's mighty men, and then a census, which brought about a pestilence, and then a prayer for the land. Chapter 22 verse 1 says that this was a song that David wrote and it was written to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. This song is also found in the book of Psalms, which is number 18. If possible, find a Bible, again, that shows the lines of poetry versus having it written in paragraph form, and that will help you to understand the poetic format of Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry doesn't necessarily rhyme, and even then, if it did, when translating it to English, it wouldn't rhyme at all. But it does show lines, and either two or three lines together, and usually they are connected in some format. It seems to me that this psalm may have been written closer to when Saul was conquered and around the time of chapter 5 of Second Samuel, when David took Jerusalem and when Hiram, king of Tyre, sent David gifts. He realized that God had established his kingdom. This song starts with praise of who God is to David. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. It then becomes a. An imprecatory Psalm what that means is that it's a cry out to God to fight for his enemies so David cries out to God and God came to action and God delivered David from his enemies because the Lord delighted in him it then moves into a section similar to Hannah's prayer in chapter 2 and Mary the mother of Jesus prayer in Luke chapter 1 God raises up the humble and brings down the prideful. It does seem that David had access to the word of the Lord, the Pentateuch, because he says, Because of all of his ordinance were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. Then David says, For you are my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord illuminates my darkness. For by you, I can run upon a troop and by my God, I can leap over a wall. He goes on to how God trained his hands for battle so that his arms can bend a bow of bronze. And if you remember when David fought Goliath, he didn't even wear an armor. He only had five rocks and a sling, but the Lord did not leave him there. Israel now has bronze and iron weapons and David knows how to use them. David acknowledges that it is the Lord's help that makes him great. And not only did God deliver David from his enemies, but from the contentions of his own people and he kept David as head of the nations and foreigners pretend obedience to me. David then ends with praise and thanksgiving. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. The Lord rescued me. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. For he is a tower of salvation to his king, meaning David, and God shows loving kindness to his anointed, meaning David, and to David and his descendants forever. In other words, God blessed King David, and God anointed King David, and God will bless King David and his descendants forever. Chapter 23 starts with, these are the last words of David, the son of Jesse. And he acknowledges that God raised him up on high, that the God of Jacob anointed him. And David is also the sweet psalmist of Israel. If you remember, he was the one that King Saul brought to him to play when that evil spirit would bother him. And so David is the sweet psalmist of Israel. And we will see more of that when we read through the Psalms. The Spirit of God spoke to David, and God's words were on David's tongue. Now God is the God of Israel, the rock of Israel. Then he says, when the king rules with righteousness in the fear of God, it is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds and his ending words are a warning to the worthless and to his destruction from men armed with iron and a spear. And then this leads into a list of David's mighty men. There are 37 men listed. David had a group of three mighty men that worked together, and then there was a larger group of 30 men. Some of these men are now dead already, especially the last name was Uriah the Hittite, which was Bathsheba's husband, whom David himself had killed. This leads us to the next chapter of another sin of David's. That again is closely related to his pride. At the end of the book, King David wants a census to be taken. In the Pentateuch, God asked for Moses to take a census of the first generation of Israel and then with the second generation of Israel. Part of that showed what God had done. Here, God did not ask for it. David asked for it. And a part of that sin was because David wanted to see how big his kingdom had gotten. When David told Joab, even Joab tried to warn him against it. But the king would not listen, so the men went out and counted the people. In Israel there were 800,000 valiant men that drew the sword, and of the men of Judah, 500,000 men. And verse 10 said that, And David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. And now I beseech you, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. So ladies, when you heard the numbers 800,000 men of Israel and 500,000 men of Judah, what was your first thought? Mine was that Israel has more men than Judah. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, our brains compare, and then our brains usually say things like, oh, Israel's better. Even though this passage doesn't come out and explain what the sin was, it seems pretty clear that it has to do with pride from David's perspective of building his kingdom. But also, there is a danger of comparison. Being a pastor's wife for years to small churches, it is amazing to me how pastors of large churches look down on us peons from small churches. If other denominations are like my denomination, we count the number of people in the churches, but we also post how much each church gives. If our church has a great year, we give a lot, and then I so easily, so easily fall into this sin of look what we did. We gave more than so-and-so church. And I am wrong when I do that. The Pharisees did that same thing in Jesus's day. In Mark twelve forty one 41 and 44, Jesus sat in the temple area by the treasury and people who were rich cast much money and a certain poor widow threw in just two mites. And Jesus told his disciples that this poor widow put more into the treasury than everybody else because they gave out of their abundance, but she out of her want. She gave all she had, even all of her living. God does not look upon us as man does. God looks at our hearts. And I often wonder if the numbers of churches all across America, not just my denomination, are all dwindling because we also fell into the pride of counting and seeing our kingdoms rise instead of seeing what God has done. Well, one of the other things that makes David so great is when he sins, he repents. And usually it's as soon as God pricks his heart. So as soon as he heard the numbers, his heart pricked and he repented of the Lord. Well, the next morning, the prophet Gad, David's Seer, came and said, David could choose one of those punishments of sin. Either one Seven years of famine in the land. Two, David flees for three months before his enemies. Or three, three days of pestilence in the land. David knew that God was gracious, so he chose number three. Because he knew men were not gracious, and he did not want to put his life into man's hands. He wanted to leave him in the Lord's hands. And once again, the punishment fit the crime. David, one of the people counted, and now it says seventy thousand men died, and it doesn't say if it's Israel or Judah. David saw the death angel of the Lord, verse seventeen, and David cried out, "I am the one who has done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand be against me and against my father's house." So Gad came up to David and directed him as the Lord commanded David to go up and make an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite, which was an original inhabitant of Jerusalem. He went there, and even though Arana was willing to give it to King David, David responded, I will buy it as well as the items used for the sacrifice, for I will not Offer a burnt offering unto the Lord, which costs me nothing. So David obeyed the Lord's command, and the Lord was entreated for the land, and plague was stopped in Israel. According to Second Chronicles 3, one, this is where Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. This verse also explains that this is on Mount Moriah, And way back in Genesis 22, God told Abraham to take Isaac up to one of the mounts of Moriah in order to give his son as a sacrifice. We do not know the exact spot of that incident. Remember, God did not have him kill his son. He provided a ram for the sacrifice. The Lord always provides a way. So ladies, what are our takeaways? David's song reminds us that God is our rock, our refuge, our shield, our lamp to light the way. He will fight our battles and he will strengthen us so that we can leap over a wall. Of course, at my age, I'm happy if I can just get up off the floor. He trains us and he prepares us for what he calls us to do. And God is so worthy of praise. So take time today and praise him for who he is, not just allow the worries of the day to weigh us down. God is worthy of praise. He will help us do what we need to do. Secondly, we find when we align ourselves up to God in his ways, we are empowered by him. But when we turn from God's ways, not so much, but God is gracious And when we confess our sin quickly, because ladies, I don't know about you, but I am amazed at how quickly I can be puffed up and prideful and fall into sin. But when we realize it and confess it, he so quickly forgives. From the very beginning of the Bible until now, God makes a way for us to approach him. He tells us who he is. And because of who he is, that affects what we do and don't do. If you have time today, read Psalm 51. This is the song that David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba. It is a prayer for spiritual cleansing. And in verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me ladies this is ultimately fulfilled when we confess our sin and ask Jesus to come into our hearts though our sin is as crimson he makes us white as snow and if you are a Christian but you know you've allowed some sin to creep in stop confess it turn from it and follow the Lord so today ladies if God is speaking to you what's he saying Is your heart pricked by the Lord like King David's was? If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who obey. Until next time, and thanks again for listening. Remember, with the Lord, we can jump over a wall. We got this. May God bless.